The Fist by Mary Oliver. There are days when the sun goes down like a fist. Though, of course, if you see anything in the heavens in this way, you had better get your eyes checked, or better still, your diminished spirit. The heavens have no fist. Or wouldn't they have been shaking it for a thousand years now? And even longer than that, at the dull, brutish ways of mankind, heaven's own creation? Instead, such patience, such willingness to let us continue to hear little by little the voices only so far in pockets of the world suggesting the possibilities of peace. Keep looking. Behold how the fist opens with invitation. Today I am grateful to Mary Oliver for giving me words I didn't have, as I'm sure she's brought to many others in this room and far around the world. Her passing was a sad day, and she leaves us uh, an incredible treasure trove of work, and it was a pleasure to dive into some of it this week. And I think one of the things I love best about Mary Oliver, now I'm also someone who has made many Mary Oliver jokes. Just, you know, every UU service you go to, you hear some Mary Oliver. That's the thing. But I, as a poet, I have to acknowledge and appreciate the depth of her experience and her sense of being able to go deep in her world and not really trying to take someone else's. And I mostly appreciate her honesty, just bald honesty. So the title for this message is Keep Calm and Carry On. How many of you heard that expression? Yeah, okay. What's so fascinating is when this slogan, and it was a slogan, was created during, the, uh, during World War II. Actually, it was just prior to uh, the official entry of Britain into World War II in 1939. Excuse me. When this was created, the um, war cabinet was all excited about, oh, we've got something to inspire people. Keep calm and carry on, you know? And then they showed it to a few people, and these are Brits now. And they're like, isn't that just a little patronizing? I mean, this is war. This isn't, this isn't a garden party. This is people putting their lives on the line. And so the vast majority of the posters that were supposed to go up all across Britain did not. They were put in storage. And sometime around 1941, the vast majority of them were made into pulp because they actually, there was a paper shortage. There are a few that have remained, and there's a few original ones that are worth an awful lot of money, but it wasn't until the early 2000s that this expression resurfaced, keep calm and carry on. And I think sometimes we get a little, we get a little carried away with that whole concept here in New England. I mean, the, the, the stiff upper lip, the British stiff upper lip has its equivalent here 
in New England. Sort of like non-emotional, I'm going to be private, I'm going to, you know, the boundaries. And then I read Mary Oliver's work. And I say, oh, oh we, we don't have to hide our emotions. We don't have to withhold our full selves. This collection that I, I'm drawing from today, um, her collection, I'm <laughs> blanking on the name of it, I'm a little under the weather, it's posted outside with the resources, is her journey into faith. <laughs> I mean, she starts talking about God and Scripture and all kinds of things at a moment of incredible loss, the loss of her partner for 40 years. And she goes there in some really beautiful ways. And I, I, I appreciate that in the same way that I appreciate, thank you, Ray, for sharing today. Um, I'm not going to patronize you by calling you brave. I'm going to call you one of the most loving people in our community. And you invite that love from us as well. As we should do with everybody in this room. Mental health challenges touch everybody here. Every single person in this room has had some exchange, interaction, challenge, maybe personal, maybe family, maybe good friends. And we have to sort of sit with that in our New England selves that don't want to, you know, let people too far in. And we have to remember that mental health challenges may not all be challenges, first of all. They may be perspectives. And also understand that mental health doesn't look like one thing or sound like one thing only. That it is as diverse as every individual in this room and in this greater world. And I think that is our challenge. I think what we get hung up on is, how do I respond? I, I, I don't have the tools to respond to that much, ver that, that, those many variants of what it means to be human, to be alive. How can I put this person in a, in a place where I can do them no harm? It's coming from a very healthy place in many ways, but I wonder if it holds us back. I wonder if our reluctance to step into the messy, to let people into our messy, sometimes hurts us. So, I'm going to share something with you all right now, and I want to start by saying I am not angry with anyone in this room. I am not disappointed with anyone in this room. I hold you all in this tremendous place of love. 
But what I want to give to you is an example of ways in which we don't make safe space. And I think that one of the best things that we could pay attention to is how do we create safe space for people to share these tender stories? I think it needs to be super intentional. So I'm going to share with you something from my perspective that isn't mental health related, but is definitely safe space related. And I know a lot of people are accustomed to hearing about brave space, but you know what? I think before you can be brave, sometimes you got to be safe. You have to feel like, I am not going to be attacked, I'm not going to be cut down, I'm not going to suffer, you know, death by a million uh, paper cuts. So I want to offer to you, in the spirit of love, the simple fact that every day I wake up as African American. Ta-da! I wake up and I'm a black guy every single day. Which comes with some stuff here in the United States. And I want you to just think about the fact that if you are coming to me with your latest revelation around race, although I'm super happy that you got there, you're probably the 10th person in that day to share something like that with me. And it makes me ask, why are you approaching me with that instead of asking me about my dog? Why do I need to hear that instead of wondering, how is my dad? He's doing okay, by the way. And this gets back to something I've been harping on and harping on all season long. It's relationship. This space can be safer and even more safe if we're willing to put aside the New England barriers and boundaries within reason and actually step into relationship rather than treating each other like learning centers what does it mean to actually hold each other's hearts in this community to understand that someone in this community probably did not eat this morning, and it may be for any number of reasons, maybe too busy with the family or maybe having no food. And to recognize that it's not yours to interrogate that, but it is yours to invite the comfort and the safety for someone to be able to share that. And so I say to you, once you've asked about my dog, who's also doing well, we can be in a conversation about our lives and not just my blackness. 
There is no way the tough conversations around mental health, the holding, the being present to different people's challenges with mental health, there's no way that will work if we interrogate, if we present what we know. The best thing we can do is just hang in there with it, no matter how uncomfortable it is. There's a word. It's called mendacity. I wrote a blog post about the word mendacity. Uh, and I have to admit, before I wrote the blog post, I had no idea actually what it really meant. So I had heard it, and just in a very simple way, it means untruthfulness. And I had heard it in the play Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Big Daddy is always talking about mendacity. There's too much mendacity in this world. There's too much untruthfulness in this world. And ultimately, without getting into a whole, you know, description of the play and an analysis of the play, the whole play is about untruthfulness, truth be told. And it was a great movie. Was it 1957? Elizabeth Taylor, Paul Newman, Burl Ives. Great movie. And there's a line in this movie where Brick, the Paul Newman character, who refuses to accept Maggie's advances for many, 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 many reasons, Brick and Maggie, Maggie played by Elizabeth Taylor, have this exchange. Brick says, what is the victory of a cat on a hot tin roof? And Maggie, Elizabeth Taylor, says back to him, just staying on it, I guess, as long as she can. She does that. <laughs> and I love that line. I think that is one of those moments, again, where our pop culture is instructive. Tennessee Williams was a very, very smart man. The way he constructed that play, the only person who is not bought into mendacity, although it's a, it's a struggle to stay out of it, is actually Maggie the Cat. Maggie avoids untruthfulness. She's the one character who's trying in any way possible to be authentic. And she's just going to hang out with how uncomfortable it is to be her authentic self in that moment. And so my challenge to you all as we lift up, share, hold, walk with, roll with, talk with our community and all of the different mental health perspectives that are held here. I challenge you to not fix. I challenge you to remember that silence is golden. I challenge you to wait for invitation And I challenge you to reflect vulnerability and accessibility. We can do this. We can do this. There's enough love in this community and in this room for sure 
to be able to do this and to do it right and to be exemplary in how we do it. But it is not going to be perfect. And we also have to sit with that as well. I want to close by sharing a very brief story. I'm trying to make it brief anyhow. <clears throat> from my childhood that I may have shared before, but it seems for some reason to make sense with this. I was in third or fourth grade in New York City in a progressive school, the Bank Street School of Education. And, <laughs> and we, as a class, we had different sections of the room that we were responsible for from week to week. Um, for some reason, I had not been in class in the morning. And I came back in with one of the teachers and was waiting for the other kids to come back. And one of the groups was responsible for drawing a picture of the room, including the kitchen. And I took a look at the picture and I said, oh, that's not right. Erased it and drew it with proper perspective, shading, all kinds of things like that, little precocious Adam. My teacher came back in before the class and she said, what did you do? And I said, I fixed it. And she said very patiently to me, it's a very good drawing, but that's not the point. The point is to work together, to share in creating the picture. And being the brilliant teacher that she was, and understanding that I had some artistic talent, she then said, put it back. <laughs> Which I did. <sighs> Our goal is not to draw a perfect picture. Our goal is to draw this picture together and to do it authentically, however it may come out. And just like Maggie the cat, it might hurt a bit along the way, but it's real. And so I invite you to just stay on that as long as you can. Blessed be.